I'm not sure who that pirate was, but he was really good. <clears throat> we had a fun time at Vacation Bible School. Thank you for all of your prayers. And if you worked at Vacation Bible School, thank you for doing that as well. What's really awesome is we raised over $5,000 for a new sensory room over in the children's building, which is wonderful. <clears throat> And if you want to know more about what that is, you can go over there and talk to Miss Lori, and she'd be able to tell you more about that. It's really an exciting addition to our, not only our church, but Mom's Morning Out and LLCA. So praise the Lord for that. Look, if you're visiting with us today, would you take a moment and fill out this Connect card and put it in the offering bucket on the way out? And if you're a first-time visitor, we will make a donation to one of our partners, to one of our outreach partners in your name. So we encourage you to do that. And, of course, you know we want you to put your prayer request down so we can pray for you tomorrow. It's one of the highlights of our staff meeting. So we do encourage you to do that. I'm Dwayne. It's my privilege to be worship pastor here. And it's also my privilege to introduce baptism. So let's celebrate baptism together. Good morning. Welcome in. Uh, let me just echo what Dwayne said. We had a wonderful week here at Vacation Bible School. And thank you for all of you that served and for all of you I know that were praying. Uh, it truly made a spiritual difference to the week. Uh, I know Tuesday of this week we had 407 children in this place. And, uh, and throughout the week, we hovered around that number. And so we also had around 130 to 150 volunteers, which is just a huge deal. So thank you uh, just from the leadership here. You truly made a difference in the lives of the community this week. I know we had a handful of salvation decisions, and we'll be seeing baptisms from those, not only in our church but in other churches. And so we're just thankful for you today. Uh, we actually do are going to start off with a, a baptism this morning, but it's going to be a father baptizing his daughter so uh, this is uh, David and Darby Goff. So David, come on down. And Darby made a decision recently, and I'm going to let David take it from here. Morning, church. This is Darby. Um, what an awesome day this is. What an awesome privilege it is to be able to do this with Darby. Darby's been uh, asking a lot of questions lately. Uh, we've had a lot of talks, Mom and, and Dad, at bedtime, and uh, just last Wednesday, Darby came to us, and we spent a long time talking and answering questions, and she prayed and uh, decided to accept Jesus. And uh, I think her exact words were, I will never follow the devil. I only want to follow Jesus. And that's as simple as it is. And, and uh, amen. So, Darby, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That is so awesome, baby. That is so awesome. Well, based on that, I get to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for what we have just seen. We thank you, Lord, for giving us this this way to identify with you, Lord, this act of baptism that uh, shows the world a step of obedience that we are truly following you. God, I thank you, Lord, for this family, and I pray for Darby, and I pray, God, for the rest of her life she would remember uh, when you knocked on the door of her heart. And, Lord, I, I pray today, God, that you would guide us through this time. Lord, I, I pray that we are here on purpose, God, that we be here to worship you today and to hear from you, and, Lord, to, to leave here ready to serve you. And we thank you so much for the week that we've had and what you've done. 
And Lord, we thank you for what you will do as we gather here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's all stand together as we sing about our amazing King. King of heaven, come down. Amen. All right, sing it out. Jesus, let your kingdom come here. Let your will be done here. In there is no one greater.
the Lord this morning. Amen. Sing this with me. I search the world. Come on. And I search the world. It couldn't fill me. But it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures they fade are never enough. Then you came along
Amen. You may be seated. He is indeed the only one who can. He can truly make a difference in your life. He's certainly done that in my life, and I hope and pray he has in yours as well. If he hasn't this morning, may be the day just for you. We're delighted to be here this morning to come together to worship the Lord, and we do that uh, not only through our singing and praises, but through our giving. And uh, we again just want to say thank you for your faithfulness in the area of stewardship. You know, this past week as we've observed these children giving, it's really amazing. Uh, it's really a spectacle to see. If you're not careful, you'll get trampled if you're down here in the front. They truly indeed give with a cheerful heart. It's joyful giving. And uh, but they come, they empty their piggy banks. You just wouldn't believe. Uh, we, we got uh, Chuck E. Cheese coins and everything else this week. And... Uh, and, and so we, we've had a great week of VBS, but it, it's just always a great reminder of what it means to give and the joy of giving. And these kids display that. And uh, so I, I want just to pray over our time of giving today. Our offering buckets are out in the foyers, and so you can drop your offerings off there. Give online. You can text to give. However, whatever method you choose, just make it a time of worship, a, a time of joyful and generous giving as God leads. So let's pray over our offering together and then pray for Pastor Andy John as he comes to share the word with us. Father God, thank you again for all that you do for us. Lord, we recognize that you are the only one that's worthy of our praise and our worship. You're the only one that's worthy of our tithes and our offerings. And Father, you're the only one who can restore all that's broken and hurting. And so Lord, we praise you and thank you for that. And as we come together to give this morning, Lord, we pray that our tithes and offerings that we bring would be a, an act of worship in each of our hearts and we would give it joyfully and cheerfully because, Lord, we know that you love a cheerful giver. And so we thank you, Lord, for how you're going to use the gifts and offerings that we bring and to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to see others come to know the Lord and Savior that we worship and adore. Thank you again for this great church. I thank you for a pastor who stands and preaches the word. We pray your Holy Spirit and honor on Brother Andy John as he comes to share with us from your word today. We just ask for open hearts and minds and ears as we hear what you say to us. And God, may we ap apply these truths to our lives and walk with you each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Bradley. It's good to see everybody today. If you take your Bibles and open to 1 John as we continue our series called In Real Life. 1 John. And while you're turning there to 1 John chapter 3, we want to uh, preview an upcoming event uh, with this video. Hey, everybody. We're here at the Elkmont Rec Fields to tell you about an event that's coming up. We've had two years of successful fireworks displays here at these fields, and this year is going to be bigger and better than ever. That's right, Alan. It's going to be bigger than it ever has before because all three campuses will be coming together for food trucks and fireworks from 5 to 9 p.m. here at the Elkmont Municipal Rec Fields. That's right, Andy John. We're going to have multiple food trucks professional uh, program fireworks show, inflatables, giveaways, and even a tethered hot air balloon. We want to see you there. And I'd like to think that we could communicate all this in a mature and straightforward manner, but that's just not really our style. 
We're gonna run through all of that information one more time for you, but just to speed things up, we're gonna give ourselves a time limit. The length of this fuse. June, uh, food trucks and fireworks, June 27, five, Food trucks and fireworks, uh, June 27, 5 to 9 p.m. at Elmar Rose. <laughs> Go in so much louder than I thought. It's coming the other side. <laughs> Multiple food trucks and for program professional fireworks show. Multiple food works. Gosh. Multiple food trucks and program professional fireworks show. We'll also have free inflatables and giveaways and hot air balloon rides. We'll also have free inflatables, giveaways and hot air balloon rides on tethers. Bottom line is we're all going to have a great time together and I promise we will leave the fireworks to the professionals. All right. It's things like that that makes you ask questions like, what do y'all do all week? Like, or is that what y'all do all week? Absolutely, that's what we do all week. Right? No, it'll be fun. We're looking forward to that. If you're in your Bible, the First John chapter 3, we'll continue our sermon series throughout the summer called In Real Life as we walk our way through the highlights and high points of First John. Uh, last week, we, we established the point that there's not supposed to be two versions of us that Christians are to align our lives with the Word of God, whether we are online or in the real world, whether we are behind closed doors or out in the open, we are to, re to reflect the principles of God's Word and what God's Spirit is doing in our life. And last week, uh, we, we taught from the Word of God that we are to live in fellowship with the Lord and we are to live in fellowship with the church. And this week, we're going to discover in First John, which is appropriate as we've just come off of BBS, we're going, we're going to look at something that is repetitive throughout this book of the Bible in which the author calls those who live and believe in Jesus God's children. So this week is living as God's children. This is familial language. You just saw a, a father baptize his daughter and call her in the familial sense. Now I baptize you as my sister in Christ. And so this is, this is what we are. We are children who have a heavenly father and we have brothers and sisters in the church. I have, uh, as we are thinking along this, this line of being part of God's family, being part of the family of God, I, I've told this story before, and sometimes I can't keep up with the illustrations that I've told and when and where, but it, it, it's really uh, helpful to me to think about who we are and what we belong to, and so I'll just tell you again, if you've heard it, just go with it, but um, it makes me laugh as I, I recounted this guy that's walked through uh, a park during the summer, and it was hot, and as he was making his way through this city park, he heard all of a sudden a lady over here to the right, and she said, ice cream, who wants ice cream? And he thought to himself, he thought, man, I'd, I'd love to have some ice cream. It's really hot, and that, that would about hit the spot. So he walks over to her, and she's beginning to hand out this ice cream, and as he's standing there and he holds his hand up, he begins to notice that everybody around him is looking at him kind of weird. Like, what are you doing here kind of weird? And he kind of looks around at everybody else, and all of a sudden he notices that Everybody that's gathered around her is children and family members, and she was gathering her family to herself, not just broadcasting, I have free ice cream. So after that awkward moment, he makes his, his way away without any ice cream. You see, we don't just declare that we are in God's family, and that's how it works. Meaning like when somebody says, hey, heaven, anybody want heaven? Yeah, heaven, I'd love to have heaven, I'm in. Well, and the truth of the scripture is, is that we are born into the kingdom of God. 
We are born into God's family. And so if you would think, okay, then explain what that means. Explain what it means to be born into God's family. And the truth is, is I will do that. I'm going to do that today. But I want you to be reminded of the purpose of the, of the book of 1 John. No one here remembers their birth, right? No one here remembers their birth, but everyone here knows that it happened. So as you think about the purpose of this book of Scripture even though we're going to discuss being born into God's family and what that looks like, the emphasis here is not on how you were born, but that you are alive. And so this is the title in real life, Living as God's Children. Let's, let's pray together. Lord, I pray that your spirit would continue to draw us towards your truth and your righteousness, away from ourselves and our sin. Lord, as you guide us into all truth, that we would yield our life to you, that we would represent you in everything we say or do. And we thank you, O oh God, for your word and pray today, O oh Lord, over this place, God, that whatever you want to do in our heart and mind, Lord, that we would allow you, God, we would yield, Father, knowing that you are the one true God and that going your way is the way we want to go. Spirit of God, again, would you guide us into all truth today in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to read from one verse in chapter 3. I usually don't preach from just one verse of Scripture, and I'm not going to today, but this verse of Scripture really brings out the, the thought behind where we're going, and it lines up with a lot of the rest of 1 John. But 1 John chapter 3, verse 9 says this, Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning, because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning, because they are children of God. Children of God, first of all, are born into God's family. That's what the Bible says, those who have been born into God's family. And being born into God's family is simply and seriously believing in Jesus. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 says that everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. Or another translation puts it this way, is born of God. God's provision of Jesus as the sacrifice for our sin and the continuing faith of man in the response to God's gift of Jesus is the making of salvation by which we are born into the family of God. We are born into the kingdom of God. We stand right with God because of the grace and mercy and love of Jesus Christ. In other words, to make it real plain and simple, when you believe Jesus, God saved you. When you believe Jesus, God saved you. Now, we want to talk about this word believing because this word believing is a very broad word and how we use it. it it's kind of like the word help. Did, did you help clean up the house? Yes, I helped. Really? How did you help? Well, I got out of the way. Uh, I used a paper plate. You see, we'll say that we help when it's really not even helping at all. Maybe it's responsibility or, again, we, we use words like this that are big and meaningful in a broad way and it begins to cheapen what it really, really means. See, what we have to understand is on the, on the inside of 1 John, that there's an issue that, that has to do with false teaching and the truth of, of God. And, and we have to keep in mind that 1 John was written to the church to combat against this false teaching and to be circulated amongst other churches to spread the word of what is true. And the apostles had seen Jesus. Remember in chapter 1? They had seen Jesus with their eyes. They had, had touched him with their hands. They have experienced walking with him. They knew Jesus. But at this time, 
philosophers were giving more thought to their own conclusions than that they were the actual truth of God, the truth of our witnesses. And many in this culture begin to rationalize and it begin to affect the church of reaching different conclusions outside of the truth and for making Jesus less than what he really is. For instance, some claim that Jesus at this time wasn't fully man. They acknowledge that, that he was special and divine, but that he wasn't fully man. Well, why is that a big deal? Because if Jesus is not fully man, then the idea of atonement, it would eliminate that. Jesus says to the system of sacrifice, Jesus, the pure and perfect blood sacrifice that God used to make us right, if he is not fully man, then, then we must look for another way and another sacrifice for us to be right. And so this began to spread, and this idea and this philosophy began to spread throughout the church, and all of a sudden people are confused. Gnostics, and, and even those listed in chapter 3 as Antichrist, believe Jesus to some degree that he was good and powerful, but they arrived at the end in their own conclusions. Over and above what was reported firsthand by eyewitnesses of those who were companions and disciples of Jesus. So did these who believed in Jesus in that sense, did they actually believe in Jesus? Well, they acknowledged Him, that He was special and divine, but ultimately they did not believe in the truth that He was the God-man, fully divine and, and fully man, able to give His life but remain God the entire time. And that is the truth that the Scripture teaches. But they reached their own conclusion, and so what they went with is their own conclusion. Y'all, that happens every day in the world we live in. That, that we have an idea of God that is presented to us that stood the test of time through the Bible, but because it doesn't line up with how we feel sometimes, we're going to reach a conclusion of who God is, what He's going to allow in my life. God says, this is okay. Where can you find that in Scripture? I just know it because God loves. See, we do this all the time. We reach conclusions a lot of times to justify the things that we are into because we don't want to admit that we are wrong. Believing is is not an agreement relative to a statement made about Jesus. I want you to hear that one more time, church. Believing is not an agreement relative to a statement made about Jesus. That's not enough. What do you mean? Well, let's, let's ask a few questions. Do we believe in driving the speed limit as a responsible way to travel? Do we believe that? Some of y'all lying. <laughs> Do we believe that diet and exercise leads to a healthy lifestyle? Do we believe reading a book to be of more educational value than scanning social media? Y'all are picking this up quickly, right? You see, we, we may intellectually agree with these statements, but we don't truly believe them. Not all of us, because if we did, our life would change. If we did, it would affect our life and the way that we are dedicated to lining up with that which we say we believe. This is not about an intellectual assessment or agreement that, yes, Jesus is the Son of God and He died on the cross. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Is it personal? Do you believe Jesus died for your sins? Yes, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. He is my Savior. Well, do you believe that Jesus is your Lord? Well, we'll see. You see, because to, to say, if you reach the conclusion that Jesus is your Savior, but you remain your Lord, then you don't know who Jesus is either. You are believing in a half-truth 
that Jesus, yes, died on the cross for the sins of the world to cover over you so that you would have heaven because you would be forgiven. But salvation is a lordship salvation. Jesus saved you to take you over. He is master. This is, the, this is what he's called in Scripture. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He says, so when we talk about believing in Jesus and being believing in Jesus being born into the family of God, that is a salvation that has reached the conclusion, I need to be forgiven, Jesus is the way, and I need to be taken over. Please take my way from me. Believing is not just an agreement relative to a statement made. As one theologian put it, the very marrow of the meaning of belief is confidence in and reliance upon. Y'all, we've been talking about salvation and belief so long. In this Christian culture, sometimes I've, I think we've forgotten what it really means. That Jesus is to be King of kings and Lord of lords. And that starts with us who say that we believe. In what area? In every area. In every area of our life, the Spirit of God is working towards truth. Secondly, this brings us here that a child of God is born into the kingdom when they believe in Jesus. And I ask you, even at this point, have you truly believed in Jesus? Have you called upon the name of the Lord to be saved? Have you yielded your will to His will? Has this happened in your life? Has any of this ever been personal? Are you scared about judgment day? Are you worried that you don't know enough? Have you truly confiding trust place your belief in Jesus the Christ as your Savior and Lord? And then secondly, again, secondly, a child of God can't keep sinning. This is what the Bible says. A child of God, and I realize, even when I say that, it happened in the first service, that is a sobering sentence. Amen? A child of God can't keep sinning. The Bible says those who have been born into God's family do not, practice, make, do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. Let's read it. Let it wash over you one more time. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. Y'all, this is why we need to read our Bibles every day. You see, we read our Bibles every day, the truth of sin and the truth of God's Word and His grace and forgiveness and how all that works together is in front of us every day and not just one or tw twice a week. So here it is in front of us that a child of God cannot be indifferent to sin. When, when our Heavenly Father despises sin, we cannot just act like it's no big deal. Even in how we view sin, when God's Spirit begins to work in you, you can't look at sin the same way that you used to. You can't, you can't just brush off abortion like it's no big deal. You, you, you can't identify sexuality being 1,500 different ways. It, it, it is a truth according to God's Word. When there's social injustice, you can't pass it off politically. If it's wrong, it's wrong. You see, this is what God's Word and God's Spirit is going to work together in us to bring about the facts of what is right and what is wrong. A child of God will not view sin the same way once he's saved, and a child of God will not, in a sense, do sin the same way once he's saved. This is a major theme of 1 John. Because we're going to talk about ongoing atonement here in the last point, and that's going to be a great place to hang out. But children of God with a new nature are led by the Spirit of God away from their old life and towards the new holy life and towards a resistance of sin. This is repetitive again in this book of the Bible in chapter 2, verse 29. All who do what is right are God's children. 
In chapter 5, verse 18, we know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning, for God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. Thank God Almighty. Last week we discussed the truth in chapter 1, that if you say you have a relationship with God who is only light, but you own, you own living in darkness, then you are lying to yourself and lying to others. And some of us, I really believe, think to ourselves, yes, I think I am lying to myself, but I don't want anybody to know. They already know. The ones that are closest to you, yield. Who cares if they know? We're talking about a relationship with God. Everybody in here, if you were to walk the aisle today and say, I need to be saved, everybody in here is not going to look at you like, yeah, you need to be saved. If they do, they need to go back out, check their heart, and come back in. The rest of us are going to be like, praise God, brother. That was me too. And God's still working on me. Child of God can't keep sinning. It says here in 1 John, if you love God, obey Him. Man. You talk about a verse of scripture that we can say and then leave. If you love God, if you say you love God, obey Him. That's here. Now the King James Version says this, uh, the verse 9, chapter 3, verse 9. The King James Version says, Whoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Doesn't do sin is what that means. It goes on to say he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now, we need to be clear if you study what this means. That does not mean that once you become a Christian you are incapable of sinning. That is not what, that is not what God's Word is why you study it. The idea brought out in, this, in the New Living Translation of, of a word brought to an idea is this. God's children do not make a practice of sinning. Y'all know what practice is. Some of us practice seven days a week for different things. Y'all know what practice is. If you were in the band or if you play ball, what is that? It's regularly, it's routine, it may not be every day, but it's definitely a part of our life. Definitely something that we're committed to. Well, the teaching of the scripture is because God's life is in us, we no longer, we no longer make a practice of lust. We no longer make a practice of doubt. We no longer make a practice of drunkenness. You see, now I'm starting to give sin a name. And sometimes we don't need to talk about sin in general terms. We need to give it a name. So God's Spirit's already working on you to know what we are getting into. Something that we're dangerously close to practicing or we know we're full-fledged in it. God's Spirit, because God's life is in us, the Scripture says we can't keep on. Can't keep on what? We can't keep on gossiping when God's Spirit is in us. We can't keep on manipulating and trying to manipulate people and to do things we want them to do. We can't keep on going off in anger when God's Spirit is in us, claiming that's how I was raised and that's how we deal with things. You're giving credit to your flesh. God's Spirit's not leading you in that way. You can't keep on doing those things because God's Spirit is working not to let you. Can't keep on living in pride. You can't keep practicing greed. Can't keep practicing spending more time invested in God's creation than investing in the Creator. Y'all, that's called idolatry. That's what that is. See, believers, not only are, are, are we not practicing sin, but we face conviction of sin. We face conviction of sin. We seek forgiveness. We seek restoration with God and with others that we've hurt. This, this is what defines us as, as children of God. They, we, we grow in obedience. We grow in our power to overcome. And in all these things, if we don't grow in obedience, if we don't grow in our power to overcome, if we don't seek rest, reconciliation or restoration, we're not acting like children of God. We're just acting like children. 
And this is what God's Word is getting to today, that if you are in Christ, you live and believe in Jesus, you cannot keep practicing sin that does not line up with it because you called on God to forgive you of sin. So that's what we're dealing with. 1 John is teaching, teaching the church that's growing up. You called on Jesus who died a real death, bloodshed, grief and hurt, who died for your sin. You're calling on him to forgive you of your sin and picking it back up like it ain't no thing? Can't happen. When I die, I don't think any of my friends, some of them close friends are in here today. When I die, I don't think any of my friends are going to say that I was a man committed to fishing. I don't think they're going to say that, that I was a man committed to fishing. Why? I don't really do fishing. Do I fish? Occasionally I fish. Occasionally. But I'm not committed to it. Oh, I have fishing poles. <laughs> Even that. I have rods and reels. <laughs> I'm not above fishing. And I'm capable to do it. But my life does not reflect a commitment to fishing. If you are committed to fishing, you are a fisherman. If you are committed to yourself, you're a sinner. That's it. That's it. And we know the difference. There's a difference between sin and practicing sin. There's a difference between having sin and sin having you. There's a difference. And so as we see in the scripture, we, we have a sin nature that remains... And we're not above sin. And we're capable of sin even as believers. And we may fall and we may fail. But the scripture teaches that our life does not reflect a commitment to self. Our life does not reflect a commitment to sin. That's what we've called upon the Lord to save us from. Work this out in your heart. Seriously. Work this out in your heart. Christians who have God's Spirit living in them reflect a practicing desire to do what's right by God. And you may say to yourself, how far does this go? I mean, how far does this go? It's, it's very much, I had a guy ask me that very question one time. He said, how does this work? Like with sin and you're a believer and, and how far does it go in the Holy Spirit? It's like a garden. You got a garden, you got a crop that, that the one who planted the seed is trying to grow it so that it will grow and produce. And then there's weeds. There's weeds in that garden. And those weeds, they compete for the nutrients that the crops are supposed to get. And, and so the gardener will pluck out those weeds so that everything will go towards the crop. Well, the Spirit of God is trying to pull those weeds out of that garden so that everything is going in the right direction. How far does it go? The Holy Spirit of God is going to work on every weed you got. Every one of them. I found that to be the case in my life. We may brush things off as small and rough around the edges, but God's Spirit won't dismiss it as that way because He is the gardener that is perfect. And he's looking for a perfect production of that crop. Finally, children of God have God's life in them. Children of God have God's life in them. Chapter 3, verse 9, the first part says, Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because... God's life is in them. Because God's life, His very presence is in them. I want you to understand that when you get saved, when you 
believe in Jesus and God saves you, the Scripture is going to tell you that God's Spirit, His very immaterial presence, is inside the heart, life, and mind of every believer. God's life is in you. That's the truth of the Bible. So it's, it's overwhelming to even think about it, isn't it? We all have examples of this. But my, my father-in-law, who passed away a few years ago, uh, such a godly man and very personable, and, and whenever our family would go and have dinner anywhere, he would become on first-name basis with the waiter or waitress. Hey, guys, how y'all doing tonight? My name's Roger. I'm here. If there's anything you need, you just let me know. Roger, it's so good to see you. Roger, we'd like to get some chips and salsa and a couple of drinks here, Coke over here, water and sweet tea. Roger, thank you so much for being here. And they would leave away from the table and all the family would be like, Roger, huh? Boy, we really know Roger, don't we? Before then tonight, Roger, you've done such a great job. Thank you, Roger. Well, I married his daughter. So a few years later into our marriage, waitress comes to the table. Good evening, I'm Shay. It's good to see y'all. If you need anything, please let me know. Shay, thank you so much. Thank you for being our waitress. Thank, thank you for the work you've done. Shay, can I get a sweet tea to go, please? Waitress walks away from the table, and I'm sitting there looking at her like, Shay, huh? Shay did a good job. You and Shay, did y'all know each other before we had dinner tonight? Her name's Shay. Why does my wife do that? Because the life of her father is in her. So she begins to resemble the character of her father. Truth is, is I do the same thing. My dad, who's here today, he doesn't get off the phone like this. All right, man, love you, bye. Doesn't do it. Daddy will say, all right, eight times while he's in the truck on the way to where he's going. And once he gets where he's going, that's when he'll shut her down. He uses all right to prolong the conversation and put it off. All right, man, love you. Good to talk to you. Love you too, Daddy. What y'all got going on this week? <laughs> well, we got VBS this week. All right. Well, I hope y'all have a good rest of the week. Your mama's doing all right. Did you call and check on her? I, I did. <laughs> all right. Guess who has two thumbs and does the same thing? This guy. I'll be on the phone with Brittany. All right, baby, love you. All right. Hey, did you get that thing, the grocery we talked about? I sure did. All right. All right, well, listen, the kids are getting up. They're going to get it. We need to pick them up 3.30 this afternoon. All right, she goes, hey, John Wayne, which is my dad's name, and that's another story. <laughs> hey, John Wayne, let's get off the phone because now you're doing it too. <laughs> the life of my father is, is in me. The, the word here for life as we move forward because the older we get the older we get and the more that we have a relationship with our father and his life is in us the more we take on their habits the more we take on the values of our father the more our life begins to look like our father's when we have a close relationship and the word here for life in the scripture in this verse 9 is seed we could read it this way now think about this again they can't keep a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. God's seed remains is what those words mean. God's seed 
remains. We could read it this way. Those who are born into God's family don't practice sin because God has sown a seed that remains, a source of change and development in them. It navigates who they are, changing them to who they want them to be. Of course, we are speaking of the Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit, who's working on the inside of us, the third person of the Trinity that is God. The Scripture says, we who are believers, when we have believed, we are receiving the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. That's in Galatians 3.14. And then you look in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, and God's Word says that the very presence of the living God is working on the inside of us to give us the desires and the power to do what pleases Him. You see, that's the step of your discipleship if you didn't know that. God's Word doesn't tell us that God saves you and then He'll see you in heaven. As you live, His Spirit on the inside of you is working on the inside to produce what should come out on the outside. Giving you the desire and the power, those things are inside, to do what pleases Him. Y'all, as a parent, I'm not trying to, to pour into the life of my children just so that they can say that they're my children. I'm pouring into the life of my children so that they will reflect the things that we value. God is not pouring into your life just so you can check the box and say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven. God's pouring into your life through the power of the Holy Spirit and giving you His desires so that you will reflect the values of God the Father. That's what He's doing. As children of God, His life is in you. Now, this seed, this life that God is sowing in us, is new life. This is why so many churches are named New Life Church, New Life This, New Life That. It's because the, the life that God gives us through forgiveness upon salvation is new life. It is spiritual life that is not just conscious to God. It is spiritual life that is alive to God. New life in God. The old life in sin was destined to die. The old life in sin was separate from God and meant to remain that way. The scripture says that once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins... In other words, before faith and repentance, you were a dead man walking. But because of faith in Jesus Christ, and because you've turned from yourself and turned to God through faith in Christ, you're now a live man living. The Bible's teaching that you've got divine life that's being planted into your soul. Through the Spirit of God, you've got new life. Yeah, but you don't know what I've done. doesn't matter based on what I see as the truth of God's Word. God's given. Now, you may face consequences for even forgiven sin. But you have new life, you got new purpose, you got new perspective, you got new prospects because of Jesus. The scripture says we were created anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. This is a new position, new life. When my children go to their grandparents' house, they grab 15 pieces of bubble gum and put half of those pieces into their mouth. Not just one piece. Sometimes we'll walk in there and both of their cheeks are just like, just way out. Like, what are you, I've got some gum. How many pieces of gum do you have? You say, they don't, they don't just do one piece, they, they do multiple pieces. And then when the flavor runs out there, they go back and they get more. Why do they do that piece after piece? Because the flavor runs out. It doesn't remain. And because it doesn't remain, they'll want to start over. They'll want to renew the flavor. Well, Christian, when we sin, we chew the flavor out of life. 
and we will feel so inadequate and so insecure and we'll have all these kinds of feelings of separation and we'll desire to start over because it doesn't feel like God's life is in us when we sin. Because a Christian can sin. And, and when we do, now I will say this, I'm going to go back to something now that our senior pastor emeritus used to say, I may sin, but I don't have to. We've got to change our language and stop saying things like, yeah, I just sin every day. Well, then what is God's Spirit doing? Just there for forgiveness? He's drawing us to a place of obedience to overcome not just the penalty of sin, but the power of sin. That's what God's Spirit is doing in our life. And so when we chew the flavor out of life, we're going to have that feeling that, that we need to start over. Well, in chapter 2, verse 2, the Scripture says that He, look at that, chapter 2, verse 2, the Scripture says He, Jesus, is the sacrifice that atones for our sin. The sacrifice that atones for our sin. Now, you English majors in here, y'all listen up. Y'all can check me on this after we go. But atones is written in the indefinite present tense, which means that this action happens regularly, or here's even the best part, or unceasingly. Listen to that again. Jesus is the sacrifice that atones. He covers our sins regularly and unceasingly. This is ongoing atonement. This is continuous covering. What this verse is telling us today is that Christians have God's life living in them, the seed that remains. And the thought behind this phrase represents that word, remain, which means this, He ain't going nowhere. God's Spirit is in us. What I'm trying to tell you today is that when you have God's life in you, the flavor don't run out. Which means you can keep coming back to confession and forsaking when there is sin in your life. God's Spirit's been with me since I was 11 years old. That's when I called upon the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved. Since 11 years old, God's Spirit has convicted me of sin on many occasions. Many occasions. But He also reminds me that next morning that I wake up that that mercy is new for me every morning. Available for me. God's Spirit has reminded me even as I walk through the Word that those that He has established His plan through, He has made His covenants with, they failed and fallen too. But God's grace got them back up and now we honor them as folks that honored God. So there's still life ahead of you. If there's been sin in your life, you don't need to sit on it. You need to confess your sin and forsake it. Because Christians don't keep practicing it. And God can do a work in you. His Word tells us in the New Testament to go and sin no more. Tells us to confess and forsake our sin. We need to turn from our sin and not just agree with God that it's wrong, but to forsake it, to leave it. And y'all, you're going to need the church to do that. You need to let somebody know what's going on in your life that is for you and for the kingdom. Somebody that you can trust to walk with you through it, to, to hold you accountable. That's why we're church family. Because family's looking out to make sure that you stand up and keep walking. His word tells us to confess and forsake our sin. The scripture says that in, in 1 John chapter 1, verse, verse 8. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins, S-I-N-S, which is ongoing, to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Hallelujah indeed. We have an advocate, you see. 
an advocate whose office is to plead our case before the Heavenly Father, and Jesus don't take days off. He's never out of the office. So the point of what I'm telling you is this. I don't want you to get the wrong idea. We're not to take advantage of that grace because it's there, but don't be bashful to come back and get another piece of grace because it's available to you. Amen? In real life, we who believe are God's children. We're accountable to the Lord. We are, are meant to reflect the values of the Father, the Father who loves us, the Father who made a way for us. So yes, here's the thing today. I think we all need to leave with the responsibility of what we need to do on our end. Whether that be calling upon the name of the Lord to be saved and it's being personal for the first time, or, or leaving with the knowledge that we don't practice sin and we need to trust the Spirit of God when He's leading us away from it. But I, at the same time, while we need to leave with responsibility, we also need to leave today with worship. We need to recognize this almighty, loving, full of grace God who has made a way for our sin to be atoned for ongoing and unceasing when we live and believe in Jesus. Let's stand to our feet. I want to ask you today as we close, do you belong to the family of God? Are you a child of God? We have an invitation. We open it up, the aisles, the altar, the whole thing because if you're right now thinking I've got questions or I need to talk to somebody, all you've got to do is walk this aisle today and say, I need to be saved. That's it. We can help you from there. We have people that are here praying for you, wanting to help you. Or maybe today you need to join the church. That's the next step. It's, it's time to quit playing church. You need to join the church and move with the body of Christ and be a member of what's going on here. Let us talk with you about that. If you need to be baptized, you've seen the picture, the next step of obedience. If you need to be baptized, why don't you tell us? Let us help you with it. Or maybe you want to pass right on by us and everybody that's up here and you just need to come to this altar today and thank God for His forgiveness or seek God for His forgiveness. Amen. Lord, what an honor it is to preach Your Word. And God, I am personally thankful that You have forgiven me. I thank You, Lord, for Your covering, Your atonement. And I pray, oh God, that in my life, that, that this representing obedience and the values of the Father, I pray that would begin in me on behalf of our whole church. Lord, we all need this word today. Lord, if we're not a child of God, I pray that your spirit would draw us to a place of decision. And Lord, that if we are, that it would draw us closer to you. Lord, as your life is in us, I pray, oh God, that we would reflect what you care about. And we thank you, oh Lord. Lord, if there are those in here that are just straight up struggling, it's been a rough week, it's been a rough year, sin that keeps creeping back up, and the only prayers they pray are prayers of asking for forgiveness. God, today that they would come and let somebody just help them, help them figure out what's happening. Lord, we thank you for who you are, for making a way for us to be right with you. And Lord, as we go forward to the end of this service, God, that we would be genuine in our response. In Jesus' name. Amen. This altar is open for you. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up till I lay my head down, oh, I will sing of the goodness.
Thank you. You can be seated just for a moment. We have a few announcements and a video we want to show you. We want to let you know that, uh, you know, the invitation is not over or ended. If you still need to talk with somebody or you want to make a decision to talk later this week, write it on the card that we gave you on the way in. Drop it in the bucket on the way out. We'd be glad to follow up with you. Now we have a ministry highlight video we want to show you. 
And so for those reasons, I believe the crankbait is the most versatile and fruitful lure you could possibly have. Well, that concludes this week's discussions. I uh, want to thank everybody for coming out today. And I also want to thank our newest member, Andrew, for showing up and joining us today. Thank you. Okay, so does anybody have any announcements or any upcoming events or dates that we need to know about? Yeah, uh, question. What is our next fishing trip? You know, I have a new reel and I'm ready to try it out. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, going fishing. Okay. What about this Saturday? Oh, it's, it's supposed to be like really cold that day. Next Saturday? That's the day of the bake sale and we can't miss that. Two weeks maybe, like on a Thursday I might take off. I have classes like all day. How about this summer? Fish, don't fish like swim south for the summer? I gotta get my dog spayed. Also, I'm allergic to water. Helping my neighbor change all of his light bulbs. A high pollen count day. My mom had a really bad reaction one time, and I think it runs in the family. It's my dog's birthday. He's turning four. I just can't handle the sun. Do you even have your license? you have your permit? Could you tell me what's the difference? I got this blue card in the mail, and I'm not sure. I think it was a boating license, but I don't have a boat, so I don't know why they sent it to me. Has anyone here gone fishing ever? So nobody has actually ever gone fishing in a fishing group here. <laughs> Thanks, guys. It's nice meeting y'all. Good luck. Hi, my name's Jack Harding and I'm the men's ministry leader here at Lindsay Lane. And it's our desire to equip and encourage men to be leaders in their Christian faith. And we are so passionate about helping guys be more like Christ. And so we're looking forward to getting together regularly for discipleship classes, service opportunities, and fellowship that includes eating. So men, we want you to be an informed part of this ministry. So will every man in the sanctuary right now Take out your Connect card and your bulletin and fill out your name, email, and phone number because we're creating a new men's distribution list to keep you informed. So please, fill out that card right now and put it in the offering plate on your way out. Or even better, give it to me at the gathering space because I'm looking forward to meeting you and helping men of all ages get plugged in here at Lindsay Lane. Thank you, Jack. Uh, that was brought to you by Andy John's Fishing Club. <clears throat> Uh, speaking of Andy John, he'll be right out those doors on your way out. If you want to uh, swing by and meet Pastor as you leave today, uh, you can do so. Uh, just a reminder, we'll be back in here uh, this Wednesday night at 6.30. be preaching in here. We have some other small groups going on. Our students will be in here uh, this week also. Our student ministry is going to Fuge Camp, so we'll be praying for those kids as they uh, take off. And But they, those guys and us will be in here at 6.30. And lastly, before we leave today, uh, don't forget, on July the 4th, we'll be going back to one service. So. Uh, we'll have nine o'clock uh, groups and one service in here at 1030. And if you want me uh, to meet uh, Jack Harding, our men's ministry uh, director, he will be out in the gathering space with a table there. Don't forget to drop those um, connect cards in the buckets that you leave today. And we just hope you have a great day. Thank you for visiting with us at Lindsay Lane East. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. 
Father God, we thank you again for grace and mercy. We thank you uh, for the opportunity we've had to be in your house today, God. We thank you for the great things that you did on this campus this week, and we pray that you continue to do those. We thank you for letting us uh, be a part of your work here, God. And as we leave here today, Father, we would pray that we would be a light wherever we go, in our communities, neighborhoods, uh, jobs, uh, sportsplex, uh, gyms, wherever we are, God, wherever you would have us. Father, put people in front of us who need to know you. And, uh, Lord, may we share the gospel with them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen.